guys. Welcome back to the Allergic to Grace podcast. I'm Victoria. And I'm Whitney. We're so glad you joined in to listen today. Today's episode, we're going to be talking about Numbers chapter 7 and 8. But to pick up where we left off last week, let's quickly recap what we saw in 5 and 6. So in chapters 5 and 6, we saw pretty much Leviticus 11 through 16 um, repeated and gone over along with a few new things. Um, We covered, you know, unclean versus clean. We talked about confession and restitution. Um, And a large part of our conversation revolved around the test for adultery. Um, Super interesting conversation because when you hear that and you read uh, what it entailed, definitely makes you raise your eyebrows and cringe and be like, what? No, this not doesn't fair. belong in the Bible. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Correct. So go back and listen to that. And then we ended with talking about how, you know, if you were not a Levite or you were not, you know, from Aaron's line, you could still serve the Lord through being a Nazarite, which is a voluntary Vow. period of time mm-hmm. where you vowed yourself to God in his service. Yep. You couldn't do certain things. You couldn't cut your hair, you couldn't drink alcohol, and you yeah. couldn't something else. I don't remember what the third thing was. Oh, gosh. <laughs> uh,. There was three things, right? Oh, it was a term. And was if you met, if you, yeah, it was a term, a set term. You could pick. Oh, the no dead bodies. Term. No dead bodies. Oh, yes. That's what it was. Um, you could pick the length of your term. But if during that term, like you drank alcohol or. If you broke you, the vow. Yeah, you, your time started over. Yep. And you had to basically kill things and do a sacrifice yes. and shave your head. And it was All a lot. All kinds of things. It was a lot. So moving on Here we to are chapter seven. seven um, <laughs> When I first started reading this, I was a little confused because chapter seven's placement in the book of numbers didn't go chronologically with what we were thinking or what I was thinking, I should say. So it starts off by saying on the day when Moses had finished setting up the tabernacle and had anointed and consecrated it with all of its furnishings, all of that stuff. So it starts with the tabernacle setup, which was the end of Exodus a book ago, like Mm -hmm. before Leviticus. Yeah. Um, and so the the events of chapter seven happen around the same time as that verse, chapter 40, verse two in Exodus. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then we, we're going to talk about in chapter seven, the offerings for the altars from all of the tribes of Israel. So those offerings go 12 days, right? Yep. And from those, after they end... We have the appointment of the Levites, which is what we're going to be talking about. Then we have Numbers chapter 9, which is what we're going to get get into next week. And then it comes back to the census that we talked about in chapter 1 of Numbers. Yeah. So it's kind of skipping around chronologically, and there's a reason for that. Yes. So um, just for some background information, during the offerings that we're going to be talking about in chapter 7, a few things happen along the way. So the laws from the tabernacle are given that happened in Leviticus one mm-hmm. um, in Leviticus eight, the ordination of the priest is going to occur um, Leviticus nine. The ordination is completed Leviticus 10, the death of Nadab and Abihu are going to happen. Mm-hmm. And then um, Leviticus 24, the blasphemer is going to die. Yeah. All within that, those 12 days, <laughs> which is ridiculous. All within those 12 days, um, from the offerings begin to the offerings ended in yeah. chapter seven of numbers. Yeah. I also have from the commentary, I've been reading numbers by Timothy Ashley, that this chapter seven occurred one month earlier than where we were the last few weeks. 
basically. Yes, yeah, because it's it kind of falls between Exodus and Leviticus. The words are Leviticus. Yes. Into a lot of what I read, I was like, okay, but why is it here? Yeah. Is this where we're talking about this right now? Yeah. Or not? I have I have a thing from my study Bible that basically said. If the opening chapters of Numbers had not been placed first, it would have been more difficult to grasp the significance of what is described in this chapter, Mm -hmm. Um, as in like the duties of all the Levites, what they had to do, who the people were, um, the leaders of Israel, as in the leaders of the tribes who come and offer these things. It'd be more difficult to understand why they were separated that way, why the order was the way it was, was because all of this was explained in the beginning of Numbers. So it was really honing in on the significance and then giving us the information that they had way back when. Yeah. And I also read as well that um, they think maybe the author of the Pentateuch came back and Mm -hmm. wrote these after writing everything, but they didn't want to mess with the order of everything else that was in the Pentateuch by inserting this. Interesting. And so they kind of just like, it seemed a little bit random, but they put it here interesting i didn't think about it like i don't know if that's the case but that's also what i read as well Mm -hmm. so and two i don't know if it's just because like there was so much going on between the end of exodus and then throughout leviticus like all of the laws like if you think about it moses was the writer of leviticus we know this he's the Mm -hmm. writer of all of the pentateuch yeah in our opinion correct um so for him to take all this information from God, have to write it down and then tell everybody about it. Like it makes sense to keep all the laws and all the commandments and all the things given in Leviticus in Leviticus yeah. instead of being like, okay, the tabernacle set up, God spoke to me from this. We started talking about this. And then we did the, then we did the the gifts for all of the offerings from all of the tribes of yeah. Israel. And then we went back and we went back to some, some more laws. And then we did the ordination of the priests and then we went back and we did some more laws. And then we did <laughs> the death of Adab and Nab, whatever his name is. And then the vast number dies. You know what I'm saying? Like yes. it's, it's a lot happening within a short time period and it makes sense that he would keep all of that same content together together. Yeah. Because it's the book of law basically. Yeah. So, yeah. And we've also talked about too, I think in Exodus even about how sometimes things are just out of order. Yeah. Like, like with the, with his uncle, father-in-law. Uncle, yeah. Uncle. Moses' father-in-law. His uncle like came and told appointing him. the leaders and that kind of thing. So Victoria's brain is fried. It's okay. If you can't tell. We don't judge here. <laughs> That's all right. The priest of Midian. (laughs) Okay. Yes. Okay. Okay. So if we're starting in seven, it says on the day when Moses had finished setting up the tabernacle and had anointed and consecrated it with all all of its furnishings and had anointed and consecrated the altar with all of its utensils, the chief of Israel, heads of their father's houses, who were the chiefs of the tribes who were over the, oh my gosh, who were over those who were listed approached and brought their offerings before the Lord. Six wagons and 12 oxen, a wagon for every two of the chiefs and for each one an ox. They brought them before the tabernacle. Then the Lord said to Moses, accept these from them as they may be used in the service of the tent of meeting and give them to the Levites, to each man according to his service. So Moses took the wagons and the oxen and gave them to the Levites. Two wagons and four oxen he gave to the sons of Gershon, according to their service, and four wagons and eight oxen he gave to the sons of Merari, according to their service, under the direction of Ithamar, the son of Aaron the priest. But to the sons of Koloth he gave none, because they were charged with the service of the holy things that had to be carried on the shoulder. And the chiefs offered their sac... (laughs) And the chiefs offered... 
offerings for the dedication of the altar on the day it was anointed and the chiefs oh my gosh and the chiefs offered their offerings before the altar and the lord said to moses they shall offer their offerings one chief each day for the dedication of the altar okay there we have it. we're offering offerings here we are you haven't <laughs> caught that a little alliteration for you there <laughs> so going back to the carts and the oxen if you remember was it two episodes ago yeah chapters three two episodes ago we Mm -hmm. talked about um the the duties of the levites which were split up into four technically four different types of levites we had Kaloth, we had gershonites and we had the marari um and then we also had the priests which included moses and aaron's line aaron's line so obviously priests are priests that's what they do Gershon were in charge of all of the linens yeah, and the like curtains the curtains and the hangings and the coverings, the woven things is yeah. what I'm trying to yes, think about. Yes, the woven that's the term. Yes. Um, and then the Marari tribe was in charge of all of the heavy things like the wood, the the bones of the tabernacle, yeah, like the frames. The f- the, yes. My study section, I think, used the term pegs pegs frames pegs bases all of those things yeah so the fact that gershon got two carts and four oxen and call no morari got six no four carts and eight oxen yes makes sense because morari had very heavy and very things much of things to carry because Mm -hmm. if you think about it you had the entire court which was huge and the frames for that is huge yeah because remember each part too had like not only like the main part but also a base that it's set in yep and a top also like Mm -hmm. the rings and everything and then it also was some of it was covered in gold um you had the actual frame of the tabernacle itself that the woven items went over Mm -hmm. so like there was a lot of material for the bones of the tabernacle in the court so of course they needed more ox to pull more carts yeah it's just more practical that way yeah it wasn't like oh we like you better no it was just they needed no. it and then for the sons of gershon they gave two carts and four oxen because they were just having to fold up cloth like yeah <laughs> it wasn't all that much stuff yeah. i mean it was i'm sure quite a bit when you think about like the size and everything yeah more than it's not like you're just carrying your sheets up the steps we're talking about like you know hundreds of feet of yeah fabric think about those big giant spools you see on like you know mm-hmm. stores and stuff like yeah. bolts of fabric so a lot of things yeah i mean they had to have ox pull the carts so mm-hmm. anyway so going back to you know why remember a couple episodes ago we were talking about the guy who died touching the, the yes the ark yeah because gonna, it was on an ox cart yeah and this makes a lot of sense because it was never supposed to be on a cart like exactly. at all like no, they were that's why cloth didn't get any carts didn't get any ox because they were supposed to carry carry it. the the holy items the yeah. holy items but not touch it with like remember they talked about yes. you put the pegs to put the sticks and then you carry the sticks you don't ever touch yeah well certain things and then like other things like the lampstand and like the table for showbread they the priest had to wrap, wrap them mm-hmm. so that they couldn't actually physically touch but you like, can't even look at them no they had to wrap them up so that you couldn't even see them like the actual thing the gold that was in the yeah lampstand. like the lampstand like, like you had you to can wrap look at it the up. wrappings yeah but you can't look at the actual like don't look golden at it don't touch it <laughs> don't look at it <laughs> so yeah that's why the sons of cloth got nothing the sons of cloth 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 Cloth. i thought you said the sons of cloth as in the woven things i was Mm, like no 
Yes. Okay. Moving on. So this was during the time that the priests, the ordination of the priests. So in Leviticus 1, the laws from the tabernacle begin and the offerings for the altar begin as well. I had a question and I don't think I answered it in my notes because I completely forgot I had a question. What's the question? Okay. And the chiefs offer their offerings before the altar. So the altar they're talking about, is that the altar of burnt offering? I think so. Okay. So remember in Leviticus, like part of the problem that the whole book of Leviticus was, is that you cannot approach a holy God in your sinful state. And that's why at the beginning of Leviticus, God spoke to Moses from the tabernacle Mm -hmm. because he had descended on it and Moses could not enter. Correct. So from him anointing it and everything in Exodus and setting it all up from God descending on it and then them starting these offerings. Mm -hmm. And then we have the ordination of the priests. Like, is there a point where Moses was able to approach? I don't remember. See, I had that written down two episodes ago. That's why I was a little confused. And I never answered it. I'm pretty sure we talked about this before. Mm -hmm. I don't think once everything, I think he was able to be there until after the priests and everything were ordained. Yeah, because in this chapter i think aaron has to go in and do all the stuff like moses couldn't go yeah, in and do all this and stuff. then once the priests are ordained and put into their rule mm-hmm. then i don't think moses could go back in okay so like, but i don't I, i'm pretty sure that's what we talked about in i believe it was exodus but i don't know yeah to be entirely it's just certain. so much stuff happens for these next 12 days and keep in mind too. Remember, the ordination of the priest takes days. It's a week. So you have to. They have to so, sit in silence basically so for, that, for seven days. Remember? Yeah. So for that whole week, the only person that could be there would be Moses. Yeah. So, but the 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 tribes are also coming and offering their offerings during this time too. Yeah. Which I think again, like, boils down to because the offerings are the offerings for the things. They're not correct because it's the offering for the altar. Yeah, it's for the altar. To make the altar, to consecrate the altar, correct? Not to consecrate the altar. The altar's already consecrated. Hmm. I don't know. Or are they just bringing it and Moses is doing it? Or maybe they're allowed to do it this one time until the priests are ready. The priests get ordained during this time. So the priests are ordained on day eight out of 12. But they they start seven days before that when the offerings begin. Yeah, that's what I mean. Is is that maybe like during that whole like one day they one are through able seven, to they're it. able to do it because there's literally other than Moses, there's no one else to do it. Because like they're literally just going and dropping off their offering and leaving. Yeah. Like that's I mean, like it's a whole thing, but like that's what basically they're doing. Like they're not doing any sacrificing. Yeah, they're, they're not, not doing, doing the like splashing that. of the blood or anything. Mm-hmm. No, they're just giving their So stuff. I bet you yeah, I bet you someone's just Moses accepting maybe is just there accepting it. Okay. All right, cool. And maybe like is Moses accepting it like and then is the offering being made at that time or is are all the offerings being made after the priests go through their ordination and then and then they're I the ones a doing it. Thing on it. It's not, not on the time? not on that, but like on like the offerings. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So we're going to talk about the first one of these. Chapter 7 literally has 89 verses it's and it so goes long. through every single day of the offerings for the altar. So we have 12 tribes of Israel who are going to be offering the same exact stuff, same exact stuff on 12 separate days. Correct. And the Bible takes the time to name out every single tribe, every single head of the tribe, exactly what they brought, which Mm -hmm. is exactly the same thing. Mm -hmm. Okay. So we're just going to read Judah because it's literally verses 12. It's basically the setup, the frame of it. 17. 
12 through 88 is it's judah the, oh no, i thought you were talking about judah offerings. yeah that's what i'm saying i'm giving an example of why we're only reading judah yes <laughs> so starting in chapter chapter 12 verse 12 he he who offered his offering the first day was nishan the son of aminadab sure of the tribe of judah and his offering was one silver plate whose weight was 130 shekels one silver basin of 70 shekels according to the shekel of the sanctuary both of them full of fine flour mixed with oil for a grain offering one dish no one golden dish of 10 shekels full of incense one bull from the herd one ram one male lamb a year old for a burnt offering one male goat for a sin offering and for the sacrifice of peace offerings, two oxen, five rams, five male goats, and five male lambs, a year old. This was the offering of Nishan, the son of Aminadab. Aminadab. Okay. Aminadab. And then it literally goes on to say, on the second day, Nathaniel, son of Zer, the chief of Ishagar, made an offering. His offering was one silver plate, blah, 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 and literally says. Same thing over and over and over again. Thing, yeah, for the next the 11 day, days. Yeah. On the fourth day. Yeah. So-and-so of this tribe, so-and-so of this tribe. Like, and it's very meaningful. We're just not going to sit here and read it. <laughs> the whole thing. No. <laughs> the whole thing. So, there was one leader each day who offered their sac- sacrifices offered their offerings for the altar um they were all identical obviously mm-hmm. with each day being set aside for one tribe correct and it was so enduring word says god had several important reasons for this to show that each tribe pledged their allegiance to god mm-hmm. that they each supported the work of the tabernacle the priesthood and the system of sacrifice commanded by god and carried out by the priests to show the importance of each individual tribe, giving each tribe its own day of celebration and attention. They were all related, but different, and each of them was important to God and should be regarded as important among the Israel as a whole. Each tribe would receive attention, like each graduate at a commencement ceremony. Mm-hmm. To show the importance of each individual gift, giving full attention to every tribe's gift, each gift mattered. To show that God wanted to be approached with some degree of organization and order. Obviously. And to show that God's altar, no, to show that at God's altar, every tribe came as an equal. Mm. No tribe was better than the others at the altar for atonement, dedication to God and fellowship with the Lord. Yeah, that was the biggest thing that I read was that it stressed the number one, the importance of following direction and also um, the fact that everything was equal, that Mm -hmm. each tribe showed by giving the exact same thing down to the the exact weight was all showing equal commitment to God that there was no favor. There was, you know, Mm -hmm. they all shared in the service to God. Yes. So, um, I read somewhere, I don't remember where it was. I don't think it was enduring word. Ooh, sorry. It was a credible source. Um, (laughs) that they didn't offer the offerings as in, they didn't do the sacrifices of the animals that they brought on the days that they brought them. They basically gave them to the sanctuary. Yeah, they to turned have them like in a whole thing, like a stockpile of yeah. animals for mm-hmm. sacrifices. Yes. So like they didn't slaughter all of these animals for the next no. twelve days. No, no, no. It was just kind of like you said, kind of like stocking or like filling. The, there was no barn, but like filling the barn, if you will. Yeah, 
Yeah, and I'm sure like that was part of one of the Levites' duties is to upkeep with the animals of the tabernacle. Yeah. Because if you think about it, if you didn't have animals, if you were a farmer and you didn't have a herd to get a sacrifice from, you could probably come to the tabernacle, pay a certain amount of money, and get an animal for a sacrifice. Remember we talked about that back in Leviticus. Yeah, you can pay like Yeah, and whatever. about how the Pharisees took advantage of that mm-hmm, in Jesus' day. And, mm-hmm, and he yeah. flipped the tables. And, yeah. yeah. So like... I think that's what that is. Like mm-hmm. all of the animals, which is a lot of animals. It is. You figure all of that times 12. Yep. <laughs> it's a lot. It really is. Um, but they did sacrifice things during like the, um, I mean, we're talking about 60 rams, the ordination. 60 goats, 60 male lambs a year old. Yeah. We're talking like the, at the ordination when they did the blood and all of that stuff, that's probably what they used. Yeah. Because they didn't have anything. Yeah. They're, so yeah, there's, yeah. Like you said, there's, they're stocking up. Mm hmm. Enduring Word, I also like this. Enduring Word says, clearly they were humble in their giving. By requiring the same gift from every tribe, God made sure that no tribe or tribal leader glorified himself through his giving. Mm -hmm. We must resist the tendency to give with the motive of being seen by others. Hmm. People suited to God's promised land care about God's glory, not their own. Exactly. And like that just, Mm -hmm. that hit home in so many different ways. Yep. Like, not even just talking about like tithing and giving, you know, back to God what he deserves because he first gave it to you, but mm-hmm. like, and just Everything. in general. In your everyday life, mm-hmm. kind of like going back to the whole conversation we had a few episodes ago on ministering. Yeah. Like this, we, are we not told to be humble? Like, yeah. you know what I mean? Like you don't do it for the glory of yourself. No. Like everything you is do done for the, for the glory, glory of God. God. Yeah. And like, maybe the person next to you doesn't recognize that and doesn't whatever, but God sees you and God knows and he's the only opinion and the only thing and the only recognition, I guess, yeah. that you should care about. Yeah. Yes. Remember that verse? I can't quote it correctly, but it's like, you know, those who are humble will be first and those who... Yeah, those that are fir- those that are first will be last and those that are last will be first. Yeah, and or it's something all about like humbling yourself. Obviously, we're all under God's authority. We humble ourselves in reverence to our God. Mm-hmm. We should humble ourselves in reverence to our fellow neighbor because you would want to treat your neighbor as yourself. Correct. You wouldn't want to say, I'm better than you. Look at all the crap I have. I have a nice watch from Rolex or I have a nice car. I have a nice house. I'm keeping up with the Joneses. Like who cares? Your physical material possessions, your wealth, all of that stuff. What does God, what does Jesus say? It's easier for a camel to fit through the eye of the needle than it is for a rich man to get into heaven. Right. Do you not remember the young rich man who asked Jesus, you know, what can I do to, what did he say? I forget what the exact words were. Basically, what can I do to like prove like my, my faith, my whatever. No, what can I do to get into heaven? Yes. is what he, he said. He said, sell your, sell everything you own. Follow and me. follow me and the man walked away or the boy sad. walked away very sad for his possessions were great yep and like can you let's just sit on that for it's a second you choose your things over the man who was brutally murdered for you i was thinking about that the other night like i was literally contemplating that because i was like how and we should honestly do some like sidebar episodes maybe around the holidays or something about you know how can we hear god's voice how how can we submit wholly to god you know like Mm -hmm. how how do we give our life in full authority over to god you know how do we let him lord over our lives those types of episodes Mm -hmm. but i was thinking about that the other day and about how if god were to take me down to my bones 
take me down to absolutely nothing. Take away my husband, take away my, my job, take away my financial stability, take away like everything, my family, everything that I have, would I be okay with him? I mean, of course, the answer is, is you would like to say, yes, of course I would. Exactly. But when but you're you living it, it's yeah. a completely different situation. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. Do you see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Though? Like, Oh, yeah, absolutely. I think about this all the time. And like, two, what do we, I forget, it was one of those one of those evenings when we were going to the women's Bible study and we were talking about idolizing things, right? Mm-hmm. Or maybe this was a conversation I was having with my brother. But anyways, like if you're not okay with something being taken away, you're idolizing it. Mm-hmm. Like how would you, you're on your way to work. You're about halfway there. You realize you forget your cell phone. Do you turn around for it or do you leave it at home? I would be turning around for it. I mean, I'd be turning around for it too, but like there's the only, there's reasons for that. Yeah, but do you not trust God for whatever reasons it is to take care of it? Yeah. Because there's a reason you forgot it. Yes. You know? Yeah. Like, yeah. That's that. Or if difficult. your phone were to, were to, like you said, God just takes away for whatever reason, you, we don't have cell phones anymore. Like, it's not, you don't have a cell phone anymore. Like, just the simplest things. And let's not even talk about heavy stuff. Like you said, your significant other. Yeah. Your husband. Mm-hmm my my children your child like yeah my dog <laughs> like as terrible as that sounds but like you know mm-hmm. it just puts things in, in in a bit of perspective we use you know? all of those things though we use all those things to project our internal glory over gods mm-hmm. and it's like it's 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 second nature almost because it's almost kind it of is, like and we've a, talked about that too a product of our environment it's a, that's absolutely what it's and that sounds that like a terrible excuses, excuse right <laughs> but i mean that's what it is yeah kind of like adaptation in animals and i feel like as christians i feel like a lot of us are probably trying to combat that and it's difficult it's, it's, navigating it's, how you can do that it's a battle in this day and age right it's know? a battle every day mm-hmm you know it's a conscious decision exactly to put god's glory above you have to keep him at the forefront of your mind like i literally pray every single morning god help me shine your light yes help me shine your light for your glory Mm -hmm. if it be your will Mm -hmm. like (laughs) right i am not my own (laughs) no but let people look at me and not see me let people look at me and see jesus yeah and my behavior does not always no please don't listen to me talk ever for any reason in fact just the put it calling the put this on mute just put this on mute and let the episode play <laughs> like right. don't ever listen but i mean if any of the listeners out there are struggling with that like you're not alone no you're absolutely not and i think that's too part of the reason we started the podcast is to know that like you're not alone and i think a big step is recognizing that mm-hmm. that, that that's an issue that i myself have yeah. you know mm-hmm. and those types of things that maybe you don't recognize it until you start to pray to god to reveal your sins to reveal your idols yeah and it just like smacks you in the face yeah because or that's you what pray happens. to god to ask him to help you to be humble and he'll oh, humble you yes he will he'll humble you right in the knees <laughs> right in the knees right in the knees or the in testes the <laughs> <laughs> anyway okay. that was a so big how did all we get that, there all of that to say <laughs> It was talking about how the, the the tribes were being humble in their offering and their yes. giving. They weren't giving above and beyond because they could. Yeah, like, oh, yeah, we're going to take, everyone's going to take, you know, seven rams and, oh, look, they I saw. They weren't glorifying I, themselves. I saw that um, the people from Judah, 
they gave five rams so we're gonna give six rams like if you think about it and this comes this comes back to like my personal insecurity with tithing and everything because like i've been at really low points where i could not tithe mm-hmm. the church and i probably but could have been like that woman in the there, story where she gives her last penny but there are other things you can tithe fyi this is true you can tithe your time a and whole you other know, episode anyway but like when I'm at church and I'm putting in my lowly $2 or my lowly $20 every Sunday and I see people beside me putting in like giant envelopes of money, like it makes me feel so terrible about myself. But like at the same time, I'm not glorifying that person for how much they can give. Right. I'm not glorifying myself for how much I can give. Like, and we, you know, yeah. And this goes back to, to a discussion we've had multiple times recently well not recently but what in the last season with leviticus how god knows our hearts yeah like he knows do you remember this the story jesus told about the the widow who gave her last penny that was my whole versus, point yeah versus that was my whole point. I versus forgot. the parable yes versus the parable of the rich you know guys who are like oh, oh, oh look at me you're throwing in all of this money. but it was the poor woman who gave her last penny that we remember her story exactly. like that's what glorified god mm-hmm. not the person who gave because a million dollars it doesn't matter externally it's all about internal yes okay anyway that was a whole rabbit hole and i did not know we were gonna it was, get that but hey it made our episode longer <laughs> I told you once we started talking, we would be fine. I'm telling you, we need to do like these like subset ones where we just do random talks. We could do like maybe a break between books and just do a whole season of random random things, random conversations. I don't know. Starting with the next one. Start a whole second. Yes. They're number one on the list, buddy. (laughs) Let me tell you. Anyway, Google the Nephilim in Miami. Okay. Anyhow. So um, I'm looking not at the right verse. I really have nothing until the lamps, by the way okay good so yes we're at the end of seven in verse 89 because that was after the last person the last tribe gave their things which by the way um if you read through the chapters the order in which they are giving their offerings for the offering at oh, yeah i didn't even think about this the altar yeah was exactly how their march is set up exactly oh, I did how the that. camp is set up yeah, that makes sense um so there's there's order in that as well mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. our god loves order we need it. Children thrive on structure. You think we don't? Seriously. Okay. Verse 89 says, and when Moses went into the tent of meeting to speak with the Lord, he went in. Hold on. He went in. And that was after the ordination of the priests. It says on the day when Moses had finished setting up the tabernacle. Yeah. Hmm. And then like my study Bible has a whole timeline. We've discussed this, but I just don't remember specifically what had happened. He went in. Uh, anyway, okay, sidetrack. We'll we'll get an answer for that next week. But that was before. That was before. Mm-mm. No, it was after. Yeah, was it? Yeah. Yep. Because like in my study Bible, look at look at this timeline. Yeah, they didn't know that. That's a lie. No, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. I didn't even <laughs> you know read what I'm it. I'm saying though, but like yeah, the ordination completed on the eighth day of the first month of the second year, and then the offerings for the altar completed on the twelfth day of the first month of the second year. So the ordination of the priests and when Moses went into the tent of meeting to talk with the Lord happened after the ordination of the priests. I think Moses just had a free pass. I don't think he could do any of the priestly things, but I think he could go in. We could also come back to this and make sure we talk about it. That's what I'm saying. Like, we can have another, we can have an answer next episode. Do you want to do that? Yeah, but we also said that. About what? Having an answer to that. Right after we did chapter three and four. Oh, did we? Yeah. <laughs> okay, well, we'll really have an answer next episode. For real. For real. 
All right. So 89 says, and when Moses went into the tent of meeting to speak with the Lord, he heard the voice speaking to him from above the mercy seat. And that was on the ark of the testimony from between the two cherubim. And it spoke to him. I don't know about you, but I got chills reading that, that verse, verse. reading that it. verse, like absolute chills. Like, can you imagine the voice, the audible voice of God talking to you. Because like the voice of God that I hear is an impression in your mind, right? Like you always hear that small voice and sometimes it's in your own voice. Sometimes it's in a completely different voice. You know what I'm talking about? We should do a whole side episode about the voice of God anyway and how to hear it and like when it is the voice of Who God. was it? Samuel? It was Samuel. 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 What? God calling for Samuel and he kept thinking it was Eli calling to him and it was God, but he just had no idea what God sounded like and that it was God calling his name. We'll get there. That's really creepy because like as a child, I used to always hear like a I'm man calling you, my name. I'm kidding you outside. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay. Anyway. Um, <laughs> anyway. So... Enduring Word says, we rarely read in the Bible exactly how God spoke to Moses. Here at the tabernacle, we see that he was it was an audible voice, not merely an impression in the mind. This perhaps is one instance in which we have a clear statement that in communicating with God, Moses actually did hear a voice and the communications he received were more than subjective impressions. They were objective expressions. He heard his voice, Whitney. I know. Isn't that crazy? I mean, it's not crazy, but incredible. Yes. Is that not the right response? No, it is. I just, I don't know. That's crazy. It's crazy. I think it's absolutely amazing. I mean, will we ever hear the voice of God? I think we do, but it's more... No, I'm saying will we ever. Ever? Like in our eternity, do you think we'll hear oh, the yeah. voice of God? I think in our eternity... In- mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I love how the response to, one of a, to whenever one of us does that is the other one going, mm-hmm, <laughs> because Words I know what you're saying. Words are hard. <laughs> I think that, yes, in our eternity, because we're going to be able to walk with him. Mm-hmm. The things are going to be restored, are they not, to mm-hmm. the way they were in Eden? And, like the and new God, God was in the garden walking. Like, he's not going to be there and, like, write everything down on a piece of paper. And be like, shh, shh, oh, shh. oh, yes, good morning to you, too. You I just had I mean? a whole another rabbit hole moment. What? You know how it says that no one has ever stared into the face of God and lived? Mm-hmm. What did Adam and Eve see? God. They didn't see Maybe they face. saw a, the, what's that word you said? From our, mm-hmm. I think so. But at the same time, I don't know, because man is made in God's image. The whole other rabbit hole for it a is. whole for not other time. Today. <laughs> it's just a thought that I had just right? now. Yeah. Okay. Anyway. Chapter eight. Are we there? Yeah, I think. Okay. You can read because I can't. Um, what are you looking up? I was just seeing if the, the commentary said anything about Moses... Oh, I thought we were doing that next time. Okay. We are. Okay. Anyway, chapter eight, uh, the seven lamps, beginning with first one. When am I stopping after four? Right before the cleansing of the Levites? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Now the Lord spoke to Moses saying, speak to Aaron and say to him, when you set up the lamps, the seven lamps shall give light in the front of the lampstand. And Aaron did so. He set up its lamps in front of the lampstand as the Lord commanded Moses. And this was the workmanship of the lampstand, hammered work of gold from its base to its flowers. It was hammered work according to the pattern that the Lord had shown Moses. So he made the lampstand. Yep. 
So we talked about the lampstand way back in Exodus. We did. And about how intricate and like very detailed it was. Mm-hmm. And also about how large it was. Yeah. Um, and about how the fire that was supposed to be lighting the lampstand had to come from the fire that God lit the altar of burnt offering offerings with for with um, and how it could never go out mm-hmm. and how it was the priest's duties to keep the oil in the lamps full so that the fire and the light never went out in the tabernacle. So the the thing that it says in the in the front, what does it say? That the, the shall give light in the front of the lampstand mm-hmm. just basically means that it was the only light in the tabernacle itself. Mind you, the tabernacle was a tent, did not have windows. Yes. So it was probably very dark in there, and that was the only light source. Mm-hmm. B, it gave light to across the tent of the tabernacle. Now, when I look at the tabernacle, I don't think it was very big. It was kind of like a hallway leading mm-hmm. up into like the most holy place mm-hmm. right like it wasn't it was a, just it was like an open room an open room yeah with like with a veil yeah obviously and um so like what the light was shining on was actually the table of the showbread which was had 12 loaves on it which was the representation of the tribes of israel mm-hmm. and about how god's light is always shining on them mm-hmm. right um, and during where it says Revelation one twenty presents lampstands as a picture of the church, the, the new covenant community of God's people. By this illustration, we see the principle that the church itself does not like the world, but it does provide a platform for the light of Jesus to be seen. Mm-hmm. Um, another thing that I read somewhere was talking about a lamp without oil. Hmm. A lamp without oil is kind of like you don't have light. You don't have light from that, right? Because there's nothing to be there's seen. There's nothing there. Because once whatever it's burning is gone, it's gone. Yep. A lamp without oil. And how a person who is not, who is without the Holy Spirit is kind of like a lamp without oil. Makes sense. And there was also a lot of talk about how, I don't know if you have any of this, but um, about how in Revelation where the seven lamps was, representat- was representative of the seven spirits of God or something like that. The seven churches mm-hmm. in Revelation. Yeah, something about the seven churches I remember seeing, like reading, but I don't... Mm, I didn't go into it. No, me either. (laughs) Me either. (laughs) But I don't really know why the lamp stands here, to be honest. Maybe it's because it was just kind of like what they did after. Do you know why? Why why it's... Why Why the lamp... Like, why the lamp stand whole thing is right here. I don't know why it's placed there, but I do know that... The importance, you know, I read some things that said the focus was on the fact that God provided this very specific instruction clear back in Exodus that the lampstand was to be made to look like this. This was to show that the lampstand was made according to his direction, um, that God provided the direction with how it was supposed to be set up and that Aaron followed the direction with how it was supposed to be set up. Thus, emphasizing, emphasizing, thus emphasizing the importance of being obedient to God and that at this time, you know, Aaron was being obedient to God and the people were being obedient to God because the people was in whoever created the lampstand um, because they followed the instruction that God had given. Why it's there, I I don't know. Do you think... No, sure this is very symbolic. This is just me talking because I don't, I don't know. Mm-hmm. But do you think the lampstand is representative of the trinity how we have the lamp mm-hmm. have the oil mm-hmm. and you have the fire oh that's yeah very good point and about how is the oil in the lamp mm-hmm. because
because the lampstand is like a menorah. Mm-hmm. But you have the individual lamps. Oh, yeah, or inside of it. It's not just like a candle. Mm-hmm. Okay. I mean, that would make sense. Very good parallel. Like? I like it. Or no. I don't know. But that's a very good point. (laughs) It wouldn't surprise me if it was representative of the Trinity because we haven't noticed by now that everything God does is very symbolic. Mm -hmm. That's what I was looking for. Yeah. Yes. All right. Moving on. That was a lot. (laughs) Yes. The cleansing of the Levites. Yep. Are we going to summarize? Yeah, I think so. I think we should. Absolutely. Let me see where I have... Oh, yeah. I also have, again, too, that one through four is just showing God's exact directions are being followed. Yeah. I got, like, Leviticus vibes from this chapter a little bit. Yeah. It's just, like, it's very mm-hmm. straightforward, and I don't really have a lot to talk about. Excuse me. I'm I sorry. have some things to talk about. Um, So we have... I mean, we can read it if you want. Well, I mean, I guess I don't really have summary of the chapter. I just have points to make about it. So... All right. I'll you want to summarize it? That's fine. I'll I mean, I can it. read it. That's okay. That's a lot to read. Verse five. It's five through 24. No, 26. Basically, so... Okay, yeah, go ahead. Just... Mm-hmm. Yep. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Take the Levites from among the people of Israel and cleanse them. Thus you should... <laughs> Thus you shall do to them to cleanse them. Sprinkle the water of purification upon them and let them go with a razor all over their body and wash their clothes and cleanse cleanse themselves. Then let them take a bull from the herd and it's grain offering of fine flour mixed with oil. And you shall take another bull from the herd for an offering of fine flour mixed. No, as a sin offering, you shall take another bull from the herd for a sin offering. And you shall bring the Levites before the tent of meeting and assemble the whole congregation of Israel. When you bring the Levites before the Lord, the, the people, what? When you bring the Levites before the Lord, the people of Israel shall lay their hands on the Levites and Aaron shall offer the Levites before the Lord as a wave offering from the people of Israel that they may do the service of the Lord. Then the Levites shall lay their hands on the heads of the bulls and you shall offer the one for a sin offering and the other for a burnt offering to the Lord to make atonement for the Levites. And you shall set the Levites before Aaron and his sons and shall offer them as a wave offering to the Lord. And then 14 through... 19, 19 is just talking about how um they're separate they're separate people from israel and that how god has taken them as his own and that how the levites belong to him and how he's also taking them as a replacement for the firstborn of mm-hmm. all of israel mm-hmm. so i just have um a qu- they, they well, did some things they did some things what did they do they cleansed them they sprinkled them with water mm-hmm. cleansed their clothes they shaved their bodies and they shaved their body and then they did a bunch of sacrifices yeah so I just have a few things. Um, I noted that, did I know, or did I read this somewhere? I may have read it somewhere that while the Levites are being purified, the priests are being sanctified. Enduring word. You read that from enduring word. I didn't look at re- enduring word at all. Oh, then it was an uh, it was probably commentary. In this book. Yeah, it was probably in this book. Yeah, the Levites are helpless to the priests, and their <laughs> language describing their consecration is somewhat distinct from the priests. The yeah. priests were made holy, the Levites clean. Yeah. The priests were anointed and washed, the Levites sprinkled. The priests were giving new garments, the Levites washed theirs, and blood was applied to the priests. It was waved over the Levites. Yes. So basically now, once all of this is done... Like this whole process of everything, everyone can now pretty much do their jobs. What's the that? Levites can do their jobs yeah. and the priests can now do their jobs. Yep. Um, so I wanted to just talk really fast because I was trying to read like, I don't know. Anyways, so I was trying to like, I guess like everything that they're supposed to be doing is very symbolic, right? 
Um, yeah. But the one thing that, and at least the commentary that I read is like, nobody was sure why they had to shave. And when I was thinking about this on the way to work this morning, I bet it was a practical thing. Like, first of all, let's talk about the opposition of like the Nazarites. Like, first of all, they didn't shave or cut their hair. Right. But the priests and the Levites, correct, did. Mm-hmm. And think about like if you have a lot of hair, right? The amount of animals that they're dealing with, like ticks and lice. They and just fleas they just had to do this and, just this once, though. Oh, they didn't have to keep themselves shaved. Oh, probably just okay. It's very symbolic. Then totally get it. Um, the shaving of the Levites. This is from Enduring Word. The shaving of the Levites as part of their consecration was mainly a symbol of their purification mm-hmm. and consecration. Yet the Levites were also given to God from Israel as their firstborn. God revealed the tribe of Levi instead of each individual firstborn from boy, whatever. Okay, that doesn't, doesn't mean anything. Oh, yeah, it does. Um, God received the tribe of Levi instead of each individual firstborn boy from Israel. Newborn babies are relatively free of hair. And this also corresponds with the shaving oh. of the Levites and their dedication to God. Interesting. I was thinking like you shed and scrub yourself of who you once were, but now you um, are. Also, the bodies of cleansed lepers were shaved. Yes, I read that as well. Um, the Nazarite's head were shaved at the end of their vow. Mm-hmm, at the end. Um, and then if you also think about it, of the population of that time, they probably had long hair and beards and like mm-hmm. a lot of things. And so mm-hmm. like their shaving of their entire body. It was just another was way of setting huge, them apart. Yep. A huge remarkable act of devotion to God. Because it was probably, yeah. Mm -hmm. Think about the razor burn. (laughs) Ugh. But it wasn't even razors, though. Nice. It was like a sharp sword, probably. Anyway. Maybe God put his hand on it, and because it was instructed from him, they didn't get razor burn. I hope not. Anyway. So, I have a question. Okay. How do you think they did the wave offering? What do you mean? It's a very practical thing. So they they were the wave offering was the Levites. So in a in a wave offering, they would take like the loaf of bread, or they yeah, take and the they would just kind of would like, like wave, wave it, it over them, or like yeah, they would wave it and to God basically. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So like it was like this back and forth waving motion. So like, how do you think they did the wave offering with physical human beings? Do you have an answer for that? No, <laughs> I have several theories. <laughs> i'm ready for them okay one of them is like you know in the jewish tradition where at a wedding they stick them in a chair and they like (laughs) jump around yeah yeah i'm jewish i know they they put them in a chair (laughs) and they put them in the chair and like wave them around or they pick them up and wave them around okay multiple men Mm -hmm. or they just put their hands on them and go in like a little back and forth motion those are all the things I have. Or, oh no, I just had a really good one. Hold on. Or did the Levites themselves just be like, or was it, or was it beach ball style? Beach ball. Beach ball at a, at a concert. The wave offering, right? Was it a, was it of grain? What was it? It was the people. Oh, it was the actual probably Levites. the wave. Probably the wave. What do you mean? Like the wave, like you start it. No, I don't think that was how it went down. (laughs) I'm sure it was some type of sway or like kind of like, you know how maybe like a pastor or someone will be like at the end, they're like bowing or like, you know, I'm doing the motion like anybody can see me doing it other than you. You know how like they'll step forward and they'll be like, oh, it's not me. It's the cast. And they'll like extend their arm out to them. Uh And maybe they just kind of like bowed or something. And then the other side and they just kind of like bowed. Uh I don't know. I don't know. I feel like it was maybe like a. I'm still saying it was a. No, it's not a wave. You don't know that. Were you there? No, you don't know that. I don't 
Honestly, God would be very receptive of that. It was a wave. <laughs> anyway, that was just a general I feel like wondering. it was. It doesn't matter. What? It's a general wondering. It doesn't really matter. I feel like everything we have is general wondering. You put that in your ticket sometime to work at work. I have a general Hello, wondering. I have, a, have an in general wondering. <laughs> um, I feel like it was definitely something like I present to you and like your hand like you're waving your hand as kind of like representative i'm wait, waving wait, my, this. like the whoever was doing the whatever like who's performing the the anointing and the offerings and the it's the priest and the the heads of israel so i feel like they're just kind of like waving their hand over the people like you know like the only thing i can think of is a director at the end of a play when they goes up there or, I know what you're and, saying, yeah. you know what i mean stands in the line he extends his arm like oh is them not me oh, or it, was them, it like a, a concert moment where they were just like no no if you're saying no it's not the sporting event wave it definitely was not that or maybe it was a everyone no, definitely not it. We're focusing on the details that don't matter. No, it doesn't matter. Okay. I was just general wondering. <laughs> Stop saying that. <laughs> Stop saying general wondering. All right, so basically 20 through 22 is um, well, Moses did everything that the God said. Basically. Yeah, I have some things, though, that I would um, like to talk about um, in regards to, like, the laying hand on the sacrifices and... Things we've already talked about in Leviticus? Yeah, okay. but I have some quotes that I would like to read from the sure. commentary. So Go for it. This says... Uh, the laying the laying on of hands as into the animals possibly denotes the identification of the Levites with the people in the animal sacrifices, but more probably denotes the substitution of the one for the other, you yeah. know, because the Levites were taken for the Israelite people. Of course, the difference between the Levites and the animal sacrifices is clear since the animals are slain while the Levites have the role of living sacrifices. And I just thought that was really interesting that it said living sacrifices because think about it. They're, they're living sacrifices, yeah, right? Because they're sacrificing their regular life in place of a non Levite firstborn. Yeah. And so, you know, they're whatever, I guess Orda- not ordained, but like, you know, they're purified cleansed. and everything. I just thought, when they laid their hands on the animals for the sin offering, that was literally them being cleansed of their sin. That's what I gathered from that because they need to be cleansed. I mean, I'm sure it was multifold, but I think this also too was representative of them because I also like, I'm reading this and I was like, this, this is a perfect example of how we're seeing how the sacrifice of Jesus works for us because he is alive. Don't he's alive. Mm hmm. And he is a living sacrifice. You know what I mean? And like, this is just showing us because you know how a lot of times people will be like, yeah, but how's that work? Because he's not dead. You know what I mean? Because you know yeah. how oftentimes when you think of a sacrifice, oh, thank you for the sacrifice. I don't want another sacrifice. How people, I think we've even talked about this. Like it's one, like, how does that work? And it's just, you know, anyway. And then it's also, because he died. It, yes. And he's still alive to keep exactly. That's why it worked. It's because he died. Yes, but I'm just saying, like, and because he was who he was, that's why he's still alive. Right, and living sacrifice, like a living sacrifice. We're seeing living sacrifices here. Okay. Okay. Um, And then also, uh, (laughs) just as animal sacrifices atone for the Levites by purging the sanctuary in the case of the purification offering, and by big and by being the ransom price in the case 
of the whole burnt offering, so the Levites themselves become a substitute for the Israelites. Oh, I guess I just found this all very interesting because it's explaining why this all works. Yeah. I'm so sorry. I highlighted these things at literally 4.35 o'clock this morning, and I'm not really remembering why I highlighted this last one. Let me just read it and see if it makes sense. Um, So this would have been right around like 15 through 19 verses. The mention of a plague in verse 19 tells the reader what the outcome would have been had the Israelites attempted this work in their state of uncleanliness. Yep. Just as the sacrificial bulls paid the ransom price on behalf of the Levites, the Levites, by a different procedure, paid the ransom price for the rest of Israel. They were living sacrifices. I guess I just found that really fascinating. I highlighted three different sections on it. On living sacrifices? On the living sacrifices. Sacrifices. Okay. All right. But anyway um yeah read that mm-hmm. and 21 through 22 basically shows the importance and emphasizes an obedient nature to god yep and they can actually do what they're supposed to do now yeah okay so 23 through the end of chapter 8 is and the lord spoke to moses saying this applies to the levites from 25 years old and upward, they shall come to do duty in the service of the tent of meeting. And from the age of 50 years, they shall withdraw from the duty of the service of the tent of meeting. Oh, wait, let me read that again. And from the age of 50 years, they shall withdraw from the duty of the service and serve no more. They minister to their brothers in the tent of meeting by keeping guard, but they shall not do service. Thus shall you do to the Levites assigning their duties. Mm-hmm. Basically, they can retire. Yeah. I also, too, wanted to address, I don't know if you have anything about the age differences, because remember when they took the census, it was ages of 30 to 50, but here he's talking about ages 25 to 50. I remember it was the apprenticeship, the five years of apprenticeship. Well, that and two, I read that there are some theories that um, some scholars believe, too, that remember this happened before Nadab and Abihu were killed i guess and so they increased the age yes they no, inc- didn't yes this this yeah this whole ch- this whole section seven through eight happened within a time span of 50 days okay so the appointment of the levites a- a- happened after the offerings for the altar ended and nadab and abihu had already died but but we don't know when they died we don't know when they died after the ordination was completed. The no, day after. How do we know it was the day? Does it say the day after? No, we don't have a time frame on when it happened. We just know it was between that, between when they were uh, ordained and yes. when they left for, well, when they left Sinai. The timing of this says otherwise. What do you mean? In my study Bible, the what timeline. It, it says that the tabernacle was set up. And then the laws from the tabernacle began, as well as the, the offerings. Mm-hmm. The ordination of the priests begins. The ordination is completed on the eighth day. Nadab and Abihu die. The blasphemer dies. The offerings end. And then we have the appointment of the Levites. Yeah. And here they're just talking about the retirement of the Levites. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. And Nadab and Abihu died between this and when they took the first census. They were not part of the first census. Yes. And so what I'm saying is is that in here, they're saying before Nadab and Abihu died, that 25 through 50 years was the years of service. But then we go back to chapters three and four, and he's saying do a census of 30 to 50. Mm -hmm. And a a large part of scholars think that the reason that is, well, I mean, there's a couple things, but I think this one is the most interesting, is, is that we also don't know how old Nadab and Abihu were. 
And they think that they were the older sons too. Mm -hmm. They think that they increase the age for spiritual maturity for like maturity level wise. I just thought that was interesting. Again, it's all just theory. Um, interesting. Yeah. That's the last thing that I have. I wish I could start work at 30 and retire at 50. I wish that I could still be a stay at home mom. Anyway, I do. Is that it? That's it. Wow. That's the end. Dang. What's our favorite verse? Our favorite verse is Which seven. We both picked this time. We did. It's finally happened again. After and we both had the same verse. And we also did last week as well. Had I guess. the same verses yeah, also. We did. The exact same verses. Um, it was chapter seven, verse 89. Of course. <laughs> Which says... When Moses went into the tent of meeting to speak with the Lord, he heard the voice speaking to him from above the mercy seat that was on the Ark of the Testimony from between the two cherubim, and it spoke to him. That was it. I think it's pretty self-explanatory, and we talked about it quite a bit. We did. Why we liked it. Just just the thought of being She's able dead. to hear God's voice, yeah. you know, like audibly hear God's voice. That would be amazing. Anyway, so the next episode, we're going to be talking about Numbers chapters 9 through 11, most likely. And that will be up next Monday at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. So thank you so much for tuning in to today's episode. We hope you've enjoyed the time we spent in God's Word. And we hope to see you next time. Thanks for listening.